Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. Going to talk quite a bit uh, about the NFL, but we do have other news items to get to this morning. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, the news out of England is not good as Liverpool defender Virgil van Dijk uh, did have a serious knee injury from uh, the Merseyside Derby game yesterday against Everton. You know, for those of you who do not see the game, basically Everton's uh, goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, plows straight into uh, the planted leg of Van Dyke as he's going in for a scoring opportunity. Uh, You know, it's just a dangerous play. It's plays that you shouldn't see happen on a soccer pitch. Not only does nothing happen on the play because they call offside, but the referees completely misapply the rule. Just because a play is offside doesn't negate the fact that a player conducted themselves with reckless uh, with reckless play, which that was. So again, it's a misunderstanding of the rule book because the, uh, the offside does not negate uh intent, nor does it uh, uh, give a leeway for players just to kind of follow through on the play because they can say that, oh, we didn't hear it in time. This was just Pickford, you know, barreling into a player uh, clumsily, and unfortunately, that player uh, ends up getting a serious injury. Uh, But, you know, par for the course because, you know, later on in the game, Liverpool uh, goes ahead four to three, only to see their goal chopped off due to the video replay. Which, you know, it's clear as day Liverpool uh, does not advance past the last line of defense uh, for the Lions. Uh, I, I mean, uh, uh, for Everton, I'm already starting to think about NFL action. But, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that it's just, you know, Liverpool should have gotten all three points. They didn't. But more importantly, they lose the anchor of that defense. And now with Virgil van Dijk out of the picture, unfortunately, uh, this blows up the season projections for Premier League because, you know, Liverpool is not going to be able to entertain the amount of clean sheets that they had last year uh, without Van Dyke, I don't see a pathway where Liverpool is as even remotely as successful defensively. I think this is probably closer to a uh, you know twenty to twenty five percent drop off in actual production uh, uh, relative to the greater whole for uh, the local. Uh, the local uh, performances of the team, uh, you know, I just, I just don't see, uh, you know, a lot coming down to Liverpool unless it's from their younger players uh, from the academy. 
just allowing them to outscore people whenever they feel like it. Uh, you know, having this gone down with Van Dyke, uh, you know, I just don't necessarily. Liverpool has the talent, obviously, to win it all, but you know, having that backup plan with, uh, uh, you know, just having a backup plan for uh, some of the defensive options, you know, it's just you're not going to get a player of the caliber of, of Van Dyke. It just, it's impossible. So I, I think that they're now highly susceptible to the best teams around the world, uh, you know, including Bayern that, you know, obviously wants to get a matchup in uh, before the real tests start. But, uh, you know, it's uh, very uh, much apparent that uh, Liverpool is going to have to make some Major, major overhauls to their overall structure and uh, form. Because here's the thing. They never replaced Dejan Lovren. Uh, you know, when it came right down to it, Jurgen Klopp basically was under a budget from John Henry, the owner of Liverpool, uh, uh, Fenway Sports Group. They made a conscientious decision that they weren't going to uh, expand the budget. Uh, they were very deliberate in terms of the transactions they were making. And one of the sacrifices Klopp had to make was the fact that he couldn't actually solidify a backup uh, 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 center back uh, uh, in just uh, holding down the four when he didn't need to spell Van Dyke because Van Dyke is the most expensive central defender in the world and he's worth every penny. That's the truth of the matter. Van Dyke is worth every single penny. But the problem is, is that they really didn't have much uh, to shore up behind him. So, I mean, like I said, this puts the title picture in complete flux because I think Liverpool you used to be able to hang their hat on. Our defense is good enough to salt away games. We, uh, you know, w- when we have to face a, a top six club, our defense is going to see us through and our offense is still uh, uh, top notch. now. You need Sadio Mane to be firing on all cylinders. You need Mo Salah to be firing on all cylinders. Because the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be a cakewalk. It, you know, most of these title runs are a grind. And, you know, Liverpool wants to get back in, deep into Champions League. They want to... Uh, prove again that they were the best team last year and that the pandemic, uh, while disrupting everything, uh, should not have taken away with how special that group was. But the truth of the matter is, you know, Liverpool has a lot of questions and not a whole lot of answers that they're going to be able to find in the immediate short term. So, you know, if Man City really wants to go for the title this year, they definitely got a shot. Chelsea, if they shore up that defense, they definitely have a shot. You know, uh, Man United, as long as they actually get a, a decent manager, which I hope they don't. I hope they keep Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in place for many years to come. But if they get certain things squared away uh, from a fundamental standpoint and become a place that is attractive to uh, uh, free agents and transfers, they're going to be uh, seriously in contention. You know, 
that's that's just the truth of the matter. The, I think the title picture has opened up from a one-team race to a four-team race, just like that, because Jordan Pickford barreled into Virgil Van Dyke and you know changed the course of the Premier League season in, in one fell swoop. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Now that injury kind of overshadowed the bigger issue. And that is, and I'm going to sound like a tinfoil hat user here, but the PGMOL, who runs the league governance of the Premier League and the rules establishment, they are just so arbitrarily applying VAR. I truly believe in my heart of hearts that they're trying to get rid of VAR by pissing off fans enough that they advocate for VAR to be removed because the application of how the VAR is being used is so arbitrarily inept that fans are getting pissed off with VAR, but they're pissed off with the PGMOL, but they're more pissed off with how VAR is being used. And so I don't know if they are truly succeeding with the attempt to get rid of VAR by being so incompetently using VAR. So case in point, Sadio Mane scores the go-ahead goal against Everton in uh, right before uh, the end of the game. So basically, we're in stoppage time. Mane gets the goal. VAR rules that Mane's armpit is offside of the defender. Now, mind you, you can't score with an arm. And they say any part of the body. But I swear to you, there is no way Sadio Mane's body can be ahead of the defender Unless you were drawing a line so incompetently based off of the TV camera angles that we have all been watching. No one can see from a geometry perspective how Sadio Mane was ahead of two defenders that had both feet well in front of Mane. No one understands this. No one. I'm, I'm struggling to find any person who can come up with a logical explanation as to how the VAR line was drawn to show that Mane was ahead of those defenders. No matter what camera angle and degree you're looking at, Mane is behind both of those defenders. No one can... Believe me, you can go on Twitter, there's YouTube videos, that they've been posted all uh, all day on Saturday, yesterday. Uh, You know, no one can understand this. No one. But the PGMOL is defending their decision of how uh, the VAR was applied by uh, the the official in review, and it's not good enough. It simply isn't good enough. Someone has to be held accountable, and the PGMOL is just sticking their head in their sand. And I think it it they may be able to pull an NFL because I saw the NFL get away with this with the pass interference rule, and fans just kind of gave up on. Why are you bothering challenging this pass interference call? It's not being called. Uh, no, the, the, the truth of the matter is there actually needed to be a third party reviewing the NFL officiating. The NFL doesn't want to be questioned, and the PGMOL is in the same mold. They don't want to be questioned, yet they have very questionable decision-making processes in place, and n- none of it makes a lick of sense. None of it makes any sense. And I think they're following the NFL model of if we ignore it long enough and we annoy enough people that they're just going to be okay with getting rid of it altogether because they just say it doesn't work. 
pass interference or a video review for the NFL should have worked. The NFL officials made sure it didn't. And I think the PGMOL is following in that exact same mold. But I digress. Uh, we need to move on. Uh, oh, and by the way, I, I, you know, for the last episode, I know some of you were complaining that I didn't show enough respect to LeBron James. The fact that LeBron James is holding grudges against members of the media who refuse to say that he's the greatest of all time basically proves my argument. Because if you need everyone telling you that you're the greatest of all time, that's if that in and of itself is the example of why you're not the, the GOAT. Because I don't think LeBron translates to all eras of basketball successfully. I don't think he uh, does well in the 80s era where it's all physical. I think he struggles in the mid-90s where it's very physical, not a lot of whole, not a whole lot of scoring. I think he struggles big time. I don't think he p- matches up well against uh, Shaq and Kobe. Like th- there are very select errors where I think Le- LeBron does great, at, and LeBron is great. He's going to be a great player no matter what. I'm saying, can he be the best player in a particular era? And I don't know if he can be because if you go back to the days of Dr. Dre and it's a fast paced and open NBA. LeBron doesn't shoot well enough to score enough points to keep up with some of those teams. LeBron's a big dude. He gets tired. He's not going to be able to keep up with some of those eras. I'm sorry. It's the truth. He's a great all-time player. He's definitely in the conversation uh, uh, when you're talking about top three. uh, But if you're outright saying LeBron's the GOAT, I'm sorry. I got news for you. He's not. it's, it's, It's just not the case. You can make a case for top three, but I'm telling you, there were too many great all-time NBA players that translate into any era of basketball. And even in this three-point shooting era of basketball, I'm telling you, Wilt destroys this league because there's no hand checking. There's guys are too small at center. You could easily score. Uh, uh, Wilt could easily score a hundred in this era. I'm sorry. It's true. So, anyway, let's get into the NFL uh, picks uh, because uh, w- uh, I gotta uh, get uh, get things moving along uh, here because uh, we, we we've uh, we spent uh, some time uh, talking through, and I haven't been able to get into the baseball. Uh, you know, obviously, you know we had Tampa. You know, as I said, Tampa was dangerous and could get to the World Series and win it all. And it's bearing to fruition because, you know, try as the Astros might with a a rally comeback attempt, you know, Tampa was the better team in that series and beat the Astros. Now we got the Dodgers who, you know, as long as Clayton Kershaw doesn't appear in the game tonight, Dodgers should beat the Braves. Unless the Dodgers have a complete choke job or Clayton Kershaw pitches in game seven, Dodgers going to beat the Braves. I'm just telling you right now, the Dodgers are better than the Braves. They're just better than the Braves. They haven't played like it. Kershaw, again, is completely useless in the pressure situation. Dave Roberts, I swear if Dave Roberts values his job, he will not play uh, Kershaw tonight. He will not pitch Kershaw. He can't. He's He's got to know this by now that he can't rely on Kershaw. Uh, in 
in a winner go home situation. It's over now. So I, I think we see Rays, Dodgers, World Series, and we go from there. And we'll see what Clayton does in the World Series yet again, but I'm I'm not holding my breath. I'm just telling you now, folks, not holding my breath. All right, so NFL Week 6. Uh, this is a very, very interesting slate of games. Because, you know, obviously we didn't have Thursday Night Football with uh, so much of the rescheduling due to COVID-related concerns. So uh, let's just uh, kind of talk it through. Uh, we, with our first game uh, for a 1 o'clock uh, session, we got Baltimore traveling to Philly. Baltimore is 7.5-point favorite, uh, opened at 7.5 points. It moved up to 9 and you know, was up at nine and a half. Now, now it's, uh, it's a little bit closer to uh, nine. Uh, you know, I, you know, you can get at eight and a half. Here's the thing. We know the Eagles aren't good, but Baltimore hasn't been clicking all that well either. So this is either a get right spot for Baltimore or Philly sneaks out of victory somehow because Baltimore is still in some kind of funk and just can't get out of their own way. I, I don't know which is to play, but I feel more comfortable in Baltimore smashing Philly than I do in Philly being able to see a game through properly. So I, I'm going to take Baltimore. Uh, you know, if I have to make a pick, I, I'm definitely not betting this game uh, straight up. Uh, no way. Uh, but for pools, I'm taking Baltimore. Uh, you know, it it opened at the seven and a half. So if you have a pool of seven and a half line, take it. Uh, if, even if it's a, a shading closer to double digits, still take Baltimore. I just don't see, you know, Philly realistically putting something together unless Baltimore lets them. And you know, I think that Baltimore probably uses this as their get right spot. Next up, we got Atlanta traveling to Minnesota. <sighs> Vikings are three and a half point favorites. I'm going to take Minnesota, even though, you know, Mike Zimmer committed what could be the decision that costs his job because, you know, again, I, that decision in Seattle by not kicking the field goal and allowing Russell Wilson an opportunity to beat you in regulation still remains one of the dumbest decisions possible that a coach can make. I, I, I'm not going to mince words about that. You know, the analytics trying to say that it gives you 100%. That's not how you actually manage situations. You try to put yourself in the uh, best position to outright seal away the game. Giving yourself a negative outcome possibility result knowingly when you don't have enough time left in the game is just madness. Minnesota need to kick that field goal. With that being said, Atlanta's defense is hot garbage. If Kirk Cousins can't get it done against Atlanta's defense, we're going to have to start asking some serious questions about the Vikings and who needs to stay and go. Kirk Cousins has all guaranteed money, but the Vikings can get out of that contract after this season. They may end up having to do that if Kirk Cousins can't get this thing turned around. 
because that team, you know, you traded away Stefan Diggs when people didn't think you needed to t- trade away Stefan Diggs. Diggs was complaining, but realistically, you could have held on to him. They traded him away. You get a great wideout in Justin Jefferson uh, as a rookie. You could see how good he is. But, and I stress this, but the fact that the defense has aged out, the offensive line has been suspect, and Kirk Cousins' decision-making has been even more suspect, tells me this team needs a fresh revamp. So I think Mike Zimmer's probably getting fired at the end of the year. It, it, it just seems like time. If they can't get things turned around, and I don't think they will, but I at least think they get uh, the win here against Atlanta because, again, Atlanta's defense is hot garbage. Yes, Atlanta can uh, put up points against that Vikings defense from a DFS perspective. I'm game stacking this one, so I'm going to get my exposure to Cousins, and I'm I'm going to take Justin Jefferson over Thielen. I just feel more strongly that you know Atlanta will concentrate their efforts on shutting down Thielen with double teams, and it's just going to leave things wide open for Justin Jefferson. So Justin Jefferson is one of my favorite plays uh, this week outside of A.J. Brown, which I, I will get to because uh, his pricing got screwed up because uh, no, uh, no one's, uh, you know, uh, when the salaries were released, the Tuesday game hadn't played yet. So uh, A.J. Brown's mispriced, but I'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, I'm taking Minnesota minus three and a half. Uh, you know, I, I just... Atlanta's defense is just horrible. Next up, Carolina, two-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Chicago Bears. Nick Foles is terrible. Uh, Listen, Trubisky's terrible. So is Nick Foles. But Nick Foles is less terrible. But let's not forget, Nick Foles is not a very good QB. He is average at best. Is he better than Daniel Jones? Yes. That's not saying much. I think Carolina, even though Carolina is not very good, I think Carolina finds a way to get it done against the Bears defense. This game will not be pretty. It will probably be like a 20 to 17 game. Um, I'm not looking at this one seriously from a DFS perspective outside of playing Mike Davis and maybe uh, David Montgomery, but I'm still not as high on Montgomery uh, compared to some of the other uh, running backs on this slate. I'm taking Mike Davis just because all the, the volume seems to be going to him, but he could easily get shut down uh, against the Bears defense. I, you know, I just, I just have my concerns, but I think Mike Davis is safe enough. I just don't know if, uh, if that's uh, going to make me feel warm and fuzzy at the end of the day on Sunday. Uh, well, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you know, when Sunday night football rolls around and I'm looking at my fantasy lineups and my DFS lineups uh, at, at, at the end of the, the, the evening tonight, I just, I don't know. Uh, I, I have my doubts. <laughs> like uh, even as I'm talking, uh, talking through this, uh, I think Mike Davis might screw me, but I'm still playing him. Uh, oh, I, I should have mentioned uh, uh, Alexander Madison for Minnesota. Because Atlanta's defense is hot garbage, uh, I'm also having exposure to him as as well as at running back. But, um, yeah, that that's the way I look at it. Next up, 
Indy hosting Cincinnati. Philip Rivers is done. Uh, I, I will. I said this before. I will say it again. Philip Rivers fell off well before Eli Manning. It's just that no one on the West Coast media had the balls to really call out uh, Philip Rivers, nor did they really care about uh, the Chargers to begin with. But Rivers is done. Jacoby Brissett should be quarterbacking this team. Uh, but with that being said, Cincinnati is not very good. Uh, so I think Indy gets the win. Cincy keeps it close enough to cover with uh, with a seven and a half point spread. Uh, who do I have exposure to from this game? Pretty much no one uh, outside of Trey Burton. Trey Burton would be the only guy I would consider from this game just because Mo Alley-Cox uh, has been ruled out. Um, Jack Doyle's been pretty limited this year uh, due to injury. I, I think he, he gets a game script. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, Burton gets a game script where he's seeing a lot of targets. Philip Rivers still likes dumping the ball off the tight end, so I think that's consi- consistent points there. Jonathan Taylor should be an okay play as well if you want to pivot off of uh, the Mike Davis and uh, Alexander Madison chalk that I'm sure is going to be prevalent uh, in the community. Uh, you know, I think you should have exposure to Davis and Madison, uh, Madison but uh, Taylor's a fine play as well. Um, but yeah, I I don't like the Colts, uh, even though their defense uh, sh- uh, plays better at home. Uh, I don't like Philip Rivers. Uh, you know, I just think he's. He's very suspect. He puts uh, teams in a very difficult position more often than not uh, these days. Next up, Cleveland traveling to Pittsburgh. A lot of hype going into the Browns this week uh, because of uh, uh, their wins. Uh, this is the statement game against Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, people have been talking up Miles Garrett, uh, uh, you know, uh, playing uh, against the Steelers after his incident with Mason Rudolph last year, where he literally tried to kill a man by clubbing him in the skull with a helmet. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how uh, you can honestly say uh, you can have confidence in the Browns against the Steelers. I really don't. They barely beat them last year with subpar QB play from the Steelers. Big Ben's back. I think you stick, take the Steelers easily. Like three and a half points isn't nearly enough. I, like Steelers are one of my favorite bets this week. I, I think the Steelers uh, just uh, take care of business against the Browns. The Browns are not very good. De- I don't think the Browns are that good defensively. The Steelers defense is very good. I don't think Baker Mayfield's good enough to overcome of uh, an excellent defense. I, I think this is this is a pretty safe uh, bet overall. I like Steelers outright. Uh, and yeah, definitely taking the, uh, take the, uh, you know, going with the Steelers, uh, out uh, to win outright, uh, you know, three and a half. I, I, that line is way too low. I think the Steelers should be at least, uh, six point favorites over the Browns. Uh, but they're trying to give the Browns respect. I just think Steelers are a better team flat out. Next up, we got new England hosting Denver, a game that's been pushed back. Uh, since last week, I don't know. This should be a New England uh, win comfortably because Denver is not good. 
But the problem is Cam Newton really didn't practice with the team. So having an eight and a half, uh, like a an, like a, a line at eight and a half, you know, I don't know. If New England blows out Denver. I, I I don't feel good betting Denver. I know that much. But you know, if you're telling me that uh, I got to take New England, I I just don't like the line. I don't like the spot for New England. It just doesn't feel right. But Denver's terrible. So uh, you know. If I had to choose, I'd take New England, but I, I wouldn't bet this one. This one just seems like a trap. Um, I you know, I just don't like it. All right, moving on, because uh, I just don't want to talk about that game. Uh, I mean, Philip Lindsay might be the only person worth considering for DFS purposes, but even then, I, I think there are other running backs you could go to, uh, which brings up this game. Uh, Detroit uh, traveling to Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville home underdog, a three and a half point underdog. And, you know, Detroit's not good. Jacksonville's terrible. I think Detroit uh, takes this one. I think they went by a touchdown. So I would bet Detroit uh, from a DFS perspective. You can play Stafford. You can play Galladay. Uh, and I actually kind of like DeAndre Swift in this spot, to be honest. Uh, Jacksonville does not have a good uh, run defense. Miles Gaskin uh, did a number on him, uh, and I'll get to Gaskin uh, later on. But I think DeAndre Swift is a very cheap running back you could plug in. Uh, you know, he's only forty five hundred on DraftKings. He's fifty four hundred on FanDuel. I, I think DeAndre Swift could do uh, quite well. Um, he'll definitely be in some of my builds uh, this week. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just I kind of look at it from the perspective that, you know, more often than not, you know, terrible teams are going to find ways of, you know, getting to that loss uh, plateau. And I think Jacksonville's on th- that kind of trajectory. I, I think, uh, you know, Jacksonville is not good. They're prone to errors. I think there uh, there's going to be. uh there's going to be some good potential for uh, a sneaky kind of score here. Uh, I think, uh, you know, from a Jacksonville perspective, you're looking at uh, James Robinson, you're looking at Keelan Cole, uh, you know, maybe some DJ shark exposure um, as a, you know, I'm not necessarily going to game stack this one, but I think that one has sneaky potential. Next up, Tennessee hosting Houston. Tennessee with the impressive victory over Buffalo, short week. Uh, you know, they played Tuesday, playing on Sunday. How's the body going to recover? You know, these are all very valid concerns. And not only is, t- like, this is one of the things I don't get with the NFL. You only got two afternoon games in this slate. Why is Tennessee playing in the early slate when they just played Tuesday friggin' night? Buffalo's playing Monday. Why is Tennessee playing on the early slate, 1 p.m. slate, when they just play Tuesday friggin' night? That doesn't make any sense. Tennessee should be playing in the late window against Houston. Like, what what possible rationale could the NFL have for playing Tennessee in the early slate when we got two afternoon games? Two. That's it. Tennessee should be playing in the late window. This is 
This is a load of BS if I'm a Tennessee player. Uh, What? Like, what? Like, what's the rationale? Like, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Anyway. Tennessee, uh, five and a half point favorites. You know, I think this is going to be a relatively high scoring game. I like a ton of people in this game. I, you know, Houston's defense is not good. Uh, So we already know this. I think Houston's still going to be able to put up points against Tennessee because, again, in the second half, Tennessee's going to get tired because they played Tuesday night and they're being forced to play on a Sunday early afternoon slate. Like, what? Seriously. WTF. Um, Anyway. So when we get right down to it, you know, I like Tannehill. A.J. Brown completely mispriced on all sites uh, because he was playing Tuesday. So, uh, you know, that went by the wayside. I think it really comes down to, you know, basically you're going to have A.J. Brown exposure. The question becomes, do you want to have Tannehill exposure as well? I think the answer is yes. But do you also want to play A.J. Brown, Tannehill, and Derrick Henry together? I don't know. That's the bugaboo that I'm struggling with is that I think there's pathways uh, for two out of the three to get there. I'm not entirely sold on all three getting there unless Houston goes crazy and then you have to do a full game stack where it's, uh, you know, you know, you're doing, uh, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, uh, Will Fuller against uh AJ Brown and Derrick Henry or do you do uh Tannehill uh, AJ Brown uh Derrick Henry and just Will Fuller or uh a combination where it's Will Fuller and uh David Johnson or you know uh, or you you go cheap at tight end with a Darren Fell like th- there are a couple of different ways uh I could see this going I just don't see I think you may end up having, uh, well, I, I definitely think there are going to be builds where there's like a full-on game stack of, of this one, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I just, you know, I know some people want to play Johnu Smith, too. Uh, you know, I don't like Johnu, uh really this week because I think there are uh, some other options at tight end. Oh, I should have mentioned Irv Smith at tight end for Minnesota. That was uh, on me. I'll get to that for the DFS picks, but... um. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be one of the highest scoring games of the week because I think Tennessee is going to be tired in that second half and Houston is going to be able to make a comeback. Now, if Houston's up early, I think Houston smashes them. But, you know, I, I'm with Vegas here. I think Tennessee's the better team and, uh, you know, they uh, they take care of business uh, by just, uh, you know, trying to put a put a lead together and hang on uh to the Houston rally. I I think that's uh that's the way to play this one. Next up, we got the final 1 p.m. game. My New York Giants hosting Washington football team. <sighs> Giants two and a half point favorites. The Giants are terrible. Washington is just as, if not more terrible. 
How do I know Washington isn't taking this game seriously? Because Kyle Allen is the friggin' starter. You tell me what Kyle Allen showed before getting hurt to justify him starting over Alex Smith at this point, unless you're trying to tank. Because you can't tell me that Kyle Allen's better than Dwayne Haskins. Haskins has been turning the ball over because he's been getting pass rushed and he's panicking with his throws. Giants, you don't have to necessarily worry about the pass rush. Kyle Allen has not been good. Kyle Allen looked like the Kyle Allen the second half of the season against Carolina that got Ron uh, uh, Rivera fired. But at the end of the day, Kyle Allen can guarantee you that you're going to lose games. The Giants are dumb enough to actually try to win this game at 0-5 to think that they can make go on a run. Giants, I, Giants fans, I just want to make this absolutely perfunctorily clear. Are you ready? Are you ready, Giants fans? Let, let me make let me make the memo clear. We suck. Oh, oh, you you didn't get that? Okay, let let, let me make it clear. We suck. Attention. We suck. So, I, I hope that got it clear enough. The Giants are not going anywhere this year. The Giants should be focusing on the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes to actually overhaul this team. The truth of the matter is, the Giants are in such a mess because the NFC East is so bad that the Giants could end up winning five games this year and being so much worse off as a franchise as a result of that than just tanking. Because the Giants, realistically, have no business winning any of these games. But do I think the Giants are going to find a way to win this game? No. I think Washington is going to find a way to lose this game. Let me be clear. The the Washington will put itself in a position to win the game and then find a way to lose it at the very end. I guarantee you, like, it's going to come down to something wonky, like a missed field goal when you don't have to rush for a field goal or you could have played for, uh, like, a get a little bit closer for a field goal uh, to win at the end, or maybe, you know, something wonky where I'm telling you, like the Giants are going to end up with a W, but it's not going to be a W. It's going to be Washington, like forcibly giving itself a loss. I'm just, I'm just saying it right here and now. Don't play this game for any fantasy purposes. Do not play this. It's a terrible game. It's going to be terrible to watch. I'll be watching. Keep your thoughts and prayers in mind for me as I'm watching this garbage. But this is not going to be enjoyable football whatsoever. Do not play anyone in this game. Please. I'm just telling you flat out. Play no one from this game. For uh, DFS, uh, you know, season long, you're going to be stuck with uh, 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 doing... uh, 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 do, doing something, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, DFS avoid this game entirely. Pretend it doesn't exist. 
And if I see anyone celebrating a Giants victory, I'm going to scream at them. But because y'all y'all need help. Oh, man, I, I'm just I'm dreading this game because I know the Giants are gonna win because Washington's tanking. Anyway, let's get into uh, the late window. Uh, we got Jets traveling to Miami. Miami, uh, seven and a half point favorites. They could be ten and a half point favorites. I'd still take the Dolphins over the Jets. The Jets are an abject joke. Adam Gase tried to scapegoat the entire Jet season on Le'Veon Bell, cut him so that Le'Veon Bell could then break the NFL by signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't stress enough how much I hate Adam Gase's guts. You are a hack. The fact that you are still gainfully employed in the NFL is a joke. I cannot deal with this nonsense much longer. Adam Gase has to get fired. Otherwise, I can openly tell say that the Jets are actively tanking by keeping Adam Gase employed as their head coach. Because there's no way this is uh, going to be a competitive football game. I The players know Adam Gase is a joke. They don't care. This is the same quit job that happened in Miami, uh, happening even faster with the Jets. You know, Miami's going to roll this team. This is... You know, outside of Pittsburgh, this is the safest bet of the week. Like, feel free to put a uh, put a couple of bills on this one. And like, Miami's going to take care of business against the Jets. It, it's believe me, I, I I feel utterly confident in that pick. It has nothing to do with the San Francisco performance against San Francisco last week. Absolutely nothing. Has everything to do with the Jets being utter utter trash because their head coach is awful. All the players know it. They're depressed and they don't want to play for him. And they're hoping he gets fired by not showing up to play. But Adam Gase wants to blame Le'Veon Bell for his crappy play calling. Sure. All right. Um, I just, I can't with Adam Gase. This is like, this is ridiculous. All right, to the game that people will actually be watching in the late window today. Uh, you got Green Bay traveling to Tampa Bay. You know, people have been making memes of Tom Brady. Here's the thing. When Tom starts feeling that he's getting mocked, that's usually when he has a good game. So do I think uh, Green Bay has no shot in this game? It's not that. It's just that I think Tampa actually puts together a solid outing and it, it just gets it done. So uh, Tampa being a home dog too uh, kind of plays into what I want to do anyway. So if I if I've got Tampa as a home dog, I'm taking them because I, I think they win this game. I really do. So to me, that's one of my. Uh, I feel pretty good about that one uh, with uh, Tampa being uh, an underdog at home. Now, here's the uh, piece that I'm struggling with, because usually you try to, like, at least structure your DFS lineups in a way where you leave yourself some outs for the late window for games. Because there's only two games, everyone knows that you're laying out your lineups 
for an onslaught to happen or shootout to happen uh, in the uh, Tampa Green Bay game. So, like, you're giving away your lineup by how the one o'clock slate goes. That's the other reason why you need to have more variety in this slate, because I think if you hit the nuts early, it's going to take a lot for the Tampa Green Bay game to realistically be the determining factor on the slate. Because I, I just look at it as there's so much spread to go around in terms of targets and scores. I, I I think you have to do a full game stack, but you have to hit every piece. And I think it's a one of one of the more difficult game stacks to hit because you know, Aaron Rodgers likes to target Devontae Adams, but he also uh, can give the ball to Aaron Jones. And, they, you know, they also mix in Jamal Williams. Well, you know, I, believe me, I'm going to try to game stack some of uh, uh, Green Bay Tampa. But to me, I don't think that's necessarily the most viable strategy to win a DFS slate. So, again, I'll take Tampa uh, from a picks per- perspective, but I don't necessarily like it. From a DFS perspective, but I'll still I'll still play it, but I'm not as big on that particular game. Uh, and now that gives us our Sunday night game tonight. Uh, you know, L.A. It so well, yeah. The L.A. Rams, uh, uh, you know, they're going over uh, to play the 49ers. <sighs> 49ers are a home dog. This is a dangerous spot because I'm going to take the Rams, but I don't feel great about it because I think the 49ers defensively match up very well with what the Rams like to do on offense. My issue with the 49ers is Jimmy G has to prove that he's healthy to me. And I don't think the ankle's necessarily healthy based off of what we saw last week against Miami where he had to get pulled at half because he just was lofting up throws because he couldn't plant his foot and drive through the ball. I have very significant questions about Jimmy G when he's got to face Aaron Donald on a bad ankle. I, 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 I don't feel great about this matchup. I really don't. So to me, it's one of those uh, situations where, you know, I'm, I'm taking the Rams. Don't feel great about it. I think it could easily blow up in my face if uh, if the 49ers have just one of those games where their running backs just go off and they dominate the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they just take care of business and and and, uh, and uh, you know get get a home victory, especially as a home dog. I, you know, the more I'm the more I'm talking talking through this, I realistically should. Um, whew. Uh, man, I really, uh, man, I may flip this pick. I don't know. I can't make up my mind. I really can't make up my mind uh, because it's, it's, it's definitely one of those where I, I kind of look at it from the perspective of, uh, you know, I don't think, I, I really don't think that it's, uh, it's necessarily, uh, you know, it, it's just not a is I, I man, I, I just feel as though this is one of those games where it's just like I'd rather just stay away entirely 
But yeah, for a pick's perspective, I, I'm I'm still gonna take the four. Uh, I'm still gonna take the Rams. But man, I'm really starting to second guess myself. I may just take the four. I may flop that one. But um, anyway, uh, uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll let's move on to the Monday slate. Uh, so Kansas City uh, traveling to Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo three and a half point underdog. Kansas City, you know, after dropping that game to Oakland, they're gonna come back focused. They're the better team. I expect them to take care of business. I, I expect Kansas City to put up points. Buffalo will try to play catch up. That's going to lead to more errors from Josh Allen, more turnovers. I think Kansas City takes care of business. I think they went by a touchdown, and, and we just move on. Then we got the Monday night football matchup between the Cardinals and the Cowboys. Here's the thing. Cowboys are a home underdog. Uh, so they're a two and a half point underdog at home. I think the Cowboys, you know, even without Dak Prescott, they have enough talent around Andy Dalton that if they keep it simple, run the football, and just progress, move the chains. If they keep it simple and feed Zeke and do some play action, get Lamb involved, get Amari Cooper involved from whatever disengagement Amari Cooper has from week to week. Amari Cooper needs to be locked in the rest of the season. He can't have those games where he just like takes a powder and doesn't show up uh, for three, uh, three and a half quarters. He's got to be present throughout the game. I, I think the Cowboys still have enough talent to take care of business. If not, Kyle Murray is going to make him pay uh, and jump on him because I think uh, Arizona – you know, given some of the struggles they've had, I think Arizona gets off to a fast start on offense. It's going to be up to the Cowboys to remain committed throughout the game uh, to get a W here. But I think the Cowboys uh, do get it done. So I'm I'm taking the Cowboys as a two and a half point underdog uh, uh, to win. So from a DFS perspective, what am I looking at? At QB, I'm looking at Tannehill and I'm looking at Kirk Cousins. Uh, running back, you know, I told you, I could easily get burned by Madison and Mike Davis, but I'm I'm probably going to be leaning a lot towards those two. Uh, I'm going to have some Derrick Henry exposure, uh, but with Derrick Henry, I'm going to end up having to switch out and drop down to take DeAndre Swift, uh, whom I do like. Uh, so if I'm paying up for Henry, I'm probably going to drop down to Swift. Uh, at wide receiver, A.J. Brown, lock button. I don't care. A.J. Brown should be in... 75% of lineups. The fact that his ownership percentage is only about 40, it's still too low. AJ Brown's got to be higher owned than that. I'm sorry. It's just, you gotta, I'm, I'm just saying, you got to be well overweight uh, on AJ Brown. That's too much of a mispricing, and he's too talented a receiver uh, and, and, uh, not to be able to do, do some damage against that Houston secondary. I got to do it. There's no getting around it. Uh, I told you I like Jefferson uh, against that Atlanta secondary. I, I think they're going to focus on Thielen, so I like Jefferson very much. Uh, you know, run it back with some Will Fuller, uh, you know, or you can run it back with Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones. Julio is a very tricky subject for me because I feel as though this is one of those games where Julio trolls everyone. It has just like a monster two touchdown game over 150 yards receiving. But Julio could also put up four catches for 50 yards. 
But I feel as though this is the Master Troll game from Julio, where he reminds everyone that he's Julio Jones. Uh, it's the it's the variance that kills me with Julio sometimes. But it wouldn't shock me if Julio does it. Um, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes. But uh, I I I think Julio could definitely uh, make some uh, make some noise uh, in the in this uh, slate today uh, at tight end. Irv Smith. Uh, dirt cheap on DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, the other play, Trey Burton for the Colts. Um, you know, Irv uh, Smith obviously with the Vikings. Uh, Trey Burton with the Colts. I think those are very cheap tight end options. You don't have the elite guys uh, because you, you you know Kittle is uh, playing Sunday night. Uh, Kelsey is playing Monday, so. You know, it, you don't have the elite options to pay up for. To me, I think you pay down at tight end this week, and you kind of go from there. Uh, and then for defense, uh, I told you, Jets are, are an absolute atrocious team. I'm playing Miami. I think that's pretty much a lock uh, on Miami. The, the other alternatives would be playing Pittsburgh, or if you, uh, or if you want to pay up for pay up even further, uh, playing the Ravens and uh, uh, banking on. Uh, Philly just imploding. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's kind of how I see things lining up uh, overall for uh, an NFL slate today. Uh, so I'm going to sign off here just so I can get this episode uploaded and you guys can listen to it this morning for you, your lineup set. But uh, that's all for now. Uh, have a good day, everyone, and uh, good luck. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.